Hello everyone, my name is Kumar Dadlani and I am the CEO and co-founder at lab for You and your host today for lab for You Talks. I am very excited to share with you today's episode because I had the chance to speak with a leader in STEM education, someone I admire profoundly. He has been a mentor and an advisor at lab for You, a serial edtech entrepreneur, a brilliant scientist and educator. He is Dr. James Karras, CEO at Catalyst Education, where they're helping hundreds of science educators and faculty members with their solution, LabFlow. Many of our listeners might know Dr. Karras because he founded Sapling Learning that later got acquired by Macmillan and it continues to impact millions of science educators around the world. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with James. Today, oh my God, we've got a special guest and I am very happy and excited to be speaking with someone I admire profoundly. I am speaking with someone who does not only have experience in education, but has been a STEM edtech entrepreneur for many years. He's someone I've learned so much over the past few years. He is none other than... James Karras. Thank you so much, James, for joining us in this podcast. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years. So I'm glad that we could get together. Yeah, I'm very excited too. And I'm very happy. And for our audience who's going to be listening uh, this podcast, Lab for You Talks uh, in in the US, in Latin America, I just want to tell you briefly a little bit more about James. uh, Because I mean, I won't read his entire curriculum because it's it's a very big curriculum. But I just want to share some highlights uh, so that you can also know with whom we are speaking today. Uh, James has a bachelor's degree in chemistry uh, from University of California, Santa Barbara, and he did his PhD in biochemistry. And that's something that unites us both because uh, we are both from the biochemical background. But over the course of the years, James has managed to build STEM EdTech companies that have been very successful over time. He's the found, He was the founder and general manager of Sapling Learning, which I'm sure many of you know, um, and was part of the portfolio of Macmillan. So Macmillan acquired Sapling Learning and James became the president of STEM Learning at Macmillan New Ventures. And that is not enough. After that, he became the chief product officer and vice president <laughs> of STEM Digital Strategy at Macmillan Learning, where he was leading all the products in uh, STEM digital strategy. And this is, we're speaking about 2016. And, and now you, you think of 2020 during COVID. Uh, imagine all that learning that is being applied today in his new venture called Catalyst Education, where they are building software that helps instructors inspire students to become the next generation of instructor scientists and problem solvers. Their first product, LabFlow, which I'm sure many of you already use and know, saves lab teaching faculty time and provides insights into the teaching and learning with their course. This improving learning for students and empowering mentoring of lab teaching assistants. James, thank you so much for joining us today at Lab4U Talks. 
Well, thank you again. And I don't think I could have done a better job uh, myself talking about uh, <laughs> our own products. So um, uh, no, no. You're, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome to join me on any call that I have with faculty. <laughs> no, no, James. I mean, I always learn. I mean, I, I think it's important for the audience to know that whenever I speak with James, I learn so much from him. He's got so much field experience speaking to so many faculty members. Uh, speaking uh, to educators and building products that solve real problems. So, uh, James, uh, tell us a little bit more. Uh, Why did you start uh, this this venture, Catalyst Education, and what exactly does LabFlow do? Well, I think, you know, it comes down to really my mission all through my career has been to help students understand and uh, discover a love for science. And so, you know, even as an undergraduate and then in graduate school, I was involved in tutoring. I was involved in uh, preparing students for uh, uh, the uh, MCAT. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as a graduate student, I fell in love with teaching students and actually taught biochemistry at the University of Texas after getting my PhD. And I taught both lecture and lab courses. And my challenges in the lab courses were that I was teaching 550 students. I didn't have TAs that were assigned to me. There's no way I could grade homework, but I knew my students weren't doing the, the homework that I was suggesting. And so their you know, midterm and final exam scores suffered greatly. And I simply asked my students after getting very disappointing results to raise their hand if they waited till within 48 hours of the exam to even crack the book and start studying. And about 70% of the class owned up to the, that's what they did. And I said, if you, can think, if you think you can learn seven weeks of biochemistry in two days, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> and so right. uh, I started building, uh, using technology um, mm-hmm. to build a homework platform. Okay. Uh, for my students and basically hold them accountable so that they wouldn't fall behind and every week they'd have to go in and do some problems, engage with the, you know le- their lecture notes, engage with the textbook, engage with whatever resources they had. Mm-hmm. And, and then I read an article that said that uh, it was in the New York Times and it was a study of STEM majors and they were talking about how it was so critical to the success of... of um, you know, the global economy, it was so critical to solving all the problems facing the world today, whether it's climate change, hunger, um, or um, uh, various problems. And, and what they concluded after interviewing a bunch of STEM majors about why they were in STEM or, you know, why they had dropped out of STEM, what they found is that about 50% of STEM majors changed their minds and switched oh, wow. majors. Yeah. And that was very disappointing given the importance uh, that it has towards the the world, really, in general, and society at large. Right. And when they asked them, you know, why, it basically came down to that the courses were really hard, mm. they were grueling, and there was about, then they looked at, you know, uh, the, the average grade given out by a STEM course was about half a letter grade lower, because uh, you don't have the grade inflation in STEM courses. Uh, it's mm. very... Um, you know, your scores are based upon how many problems you can get right on these exams. And so that was something that really I became passionate about is how can we improve the persistence mm-hmm. of students in these STEM courses? They, 
they obviously declared that major because they, they walked into college loving science and being very interested in it, maybe wanting to be the next Carl Sagan, right? Right, right. But it was the grueling nature of the problem solving and the really difficult topics that they were facing that eventually, unfortunately, either drove the love of the discipline out of them um, or just they felt like they couldn't hack it anymore and couldn't hold up to their peers. And so I wanted to change that. And so through technology, I started building platforms that coach students as they're solving problems. And uh, that's where I founded Sapling Learning, my first company. And then, um, but I also taught lab courses. And when I sold uh, Sapling to Macmillan, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, that I wanted to form a company that was focused, essentially uh, maniacally focused on laboratory education. And I know that there were so many challenges. And I think, you know, you've decided to focus on lab courses as well um, with lab for you And I think that that's, you know, I'd love to hear why you decided to do that. No, uh, what you say just touches our hearts because science education does not have to be so difficult and theoretical with how we knew it in the past centuries, right? So the article that you read and 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 the experiences that you were living uh, during your teaching uh, led you to start with sapling, uh, and and that led you to work in Macmillan. And what what you share what you share about uh, driving away the love of the discipline and and so many just leaving the science careers when they could have been the next Carl Sagan or Einstein or Marie Curie's, uh, and and just because they did not have a good science education lab experience they decide to to drop out or to leave that career so what you say is is crucial um and as well as in lab for you just answering your question for us uh in in your case more in the higher ed for us in in k-12 uh the same happens right students they don't uh, they don't engage with the science classes because it's very theoretical and now during covid uh you know teachers are struggling on how to engage with their students when they don't even have access to their labs um and if they Many districts and many schools did not even have labs in their schools. So, so, and and how can we actually learn science if we don't experience it? And that's why the lab experience is so important. And and for for me at lab for you, you know, just like you, you studied biochemistry. You know, I also studied biochemistry. And during my science education, the lab experience was so important. And when we did not have that lab experience, where we were actually learning by doing, um, not only with the right pedagogy, where inquiry-based learning is important, and and we have an, an episode about inquiry in in our podcast as well, but but just living the experience and helping teacher with their lab experiments has been very important uh, to us at at Lab for You. Um, James, I'm very curious to know how uh, today during COVID. Uh, how are you helping faculty members with with lab flow? So, what exactly are, are they doing? And because everybody's struggling during COVID nineteen, right? Uh, but I would love to know how are, uh, how are your users um, actually living this experience uh, during during COVID nineteen? If you can share an, an anecdote, if you can share uh, your experience. Well, you know, uh, we got. A tremendous amount of interest in what we're doing because of, of COVID-19 um, and that this pe- pandemic is such a, you know, um, really difficult time for a lot of people. And, 
it's one thing for people who teach lecture courses to mm -hmm. transition online, and mm -hmm. that's challenging enough. Mm -hmm. But lab courses require that in-person experiential learning, you know, mixing things with your hands, mm. you know, pouring things, using equipment. And it's very, it's very challenging to deliver lab courses, but students have to make progress towards their major. Uh, mm. College can be very expensive. Mm. They can't just sit out a year. And, and so universities had to offer some experience. And, and a lot of universities uh, this fall, uh, certainly in the States, have tried to go hybrid where they're, um, you know, some went mm -hmm. online 100%, but a lot are trying to do, you know, distance, mm -hmm. you know, inside lab courses and go every other week inside the lab and then one week at home. And so we built and, and changed our platform, which was being used for to wrap digital curriculum mm -hmm. around traditional in-person wet lab experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, but we tweaked our software um, about in March of last year when the, the pandemic really hit and it became obvious that this was going to change education forever. Mm. Um, we made it so that our software could basically deliver videos showing the experiments, mm -hmm. showing how to use the techniques, showing how to use each piece of equipment. And then we would provide them with sets of data as if they had been in the labs doing the same stuff they were watching on videos and randomizing it so students uh, just couldn't rampantly copy each other's work. That is so important. And that's so one of the challenges. That, yeah, it's one of the challenges. What, what James has just said uh, for our listeners is just so important. That feature uh, at Labflow, if, if we can dig a little bit deeper, so it's not just a virtual experience. You're actually sending them data, randomized data, so that they can live that lab experience themselves yeah and they still have to analyze it and do all the things and draw conclusions from it like they would before and what's really nice about uh, what we've done is that it works in either scenario so it's not some immersive 3d virtual world that they have to do experiments in right. but then when they go to do the experiment in person it's very different right um, our system the students do the same experiments write the same lab reports analyze the same type of data, uh, whether they're in person or online. And so whether, you know, it's an entire section of students or class of students who are moving week to week online and in person, or maybe you just have a few students that fall ill and need, uh, you know, one or two weeks to recover, uh, they can push out uh, our platform. And without even lifting a finger, uh, an instructor doesn't even have to care whether the student's in person or online doing oh, that wow. experiment. And wow. That was helpful because there was so much stress and anxiety around students returning to classes. And right. just anything you can make it very easy for, student, for uh, faculty um, was greatly appreciated by them. Right, right. Uh, I, I want our listeners to, to just, you know, analyze what, what James has just said. Uh, so this is working hybrid model you can either do it at home with the data that labflow is sending you or uh in in faculty in in person and this is not as james said a virtual experience where it's completely different to the real experience this is actually how the lab is um i i, I have an, a follow-up question on that james i it might be a bit 
tricky uh, to answer because I, I have I know many who are doing some fantastic world work in the virtual world uh, and you know we, we know many many solutions that have virtual labs but I would love to know what's your opinion about virtual labs and and why is lab flow different exactly different to virtual labs and and there are, probably I can share a little bit why lab for you is different to the virtual labs. Yeah, I mean, I really like the approach that you've taken because it combines both hands-on chemistry or physics or, you know, hands-on science with the ability to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. At, you know, you don't, need, you don't need to have expensive equipment and all this stuff around you. Uh, you can open up those hands-on experiences um, that I think are so important and many faculty are looking uh, for. Um, when I was at the University of Texas, I was awarded a number of grants to do, develop technologies for chemistry courses. And one of the grants was to develop virtual lab uh, experiences, mm-hmm. and, we, and we built them. And uh, the challenge was that um, students really didn't like them. Um, mm. it, they, what they found is that the, you know, once the gee whiz factor wore off, which was pretty soon, mm-hmm. and these, these are connoisseurs of you know, high intensity, you know, uh, you know, they play 3D video games that yes. are so off the charts, almost photorealistic these days. Yes, yes. And so that novelty wears off really quick. Um, yes. And what they, it was really hard for us to develop uh, software that delivered those uh, experiences in, in a way, because in the lab, the student has access to a TA or faculty. So when they're mm-hmm. struggling and they don't know how to do something or maybe the equipment's not assembling in the proper way and they're confused, mm. they have someone there that's help, there to mm. help them. But virtual lab experiments, you're kind of alone. And it's 10 o'clock at night. You've got to complete this lab mm. by midnight. And you're having trouble figuring out what to do and there's no one there to help you. And mm. that's a real challenge is that instructional support, which is so critical. Mm. But then... So your other your alternative is to make the experiments kind of keep the students on a rail, mm. and and then and then students feel like you know I feel I feel like if a monkey you know could was put in front of this if they could read they could do it because it's just telling you exactly what to do right and right. so you, like you were saying inquiry is so important mm. to giving young scientists this understanding that they can explore the world around them, mm. draw their own conclusions, test hypotheses. And if you put them on rails, uh, they don't feel that way. They feel like you're just wasting their time and they're just spending three hours moving a virtual, you know, piece, you know, hand around or a pipette. Mm. And so, you know, I think we've taken this approach, which is to deliver an experiment experience that is uh, as near to uh the lab in terms of like seeing videos of real world stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. When we present data to students, we're not just presenting them a number. We're actually, they still have to analyze like a volumetric measurement or they still have to watch, you know, uh, some crystals melting and determine what the melting point of something is. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a hybrid approach even within uh, that experiment. And, you know, I love what companies like yours are doing which allows students to use the devices they already have and walk around in their pockets to explore science uh, and do true inquiry, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Right, right. Uh, no, and, and, and that's why we are very much aligned in, in, 
in taking inquiry from a very practical perspective where students experiment, you know, they have a hypothesis, they test it out. These are real data in, in the case of lab flow, right? Uh, you're sending them this data as if they were in the real field. Let's say if they're working in a lab that's solving one of the world's biggest challenges, you know, probably an SDG challenge. You, you mentioned some of those challenges, right? just like in the real world. Um, whereas the virtual environment, uh, it's like, you know, riding a bicycle virtually uh, and not really riding the bicycle as it is, right, um, and as an analogy. And in, and in that case, um, in order to truly develop uh, skills that we need um, as, as scientists uh, while we're solving issues, while we're, we're testing our hypothesis, um, we need that inquiry-based learning where the questions, the, the question is so important and the instructional design of all these lab courses are so important. And I know that you and your team have worked really hard to have proper instructional design in all your content and all the lab that you have, which is which is fantastic. And that's something that we also work, uh, especially in high school and, and first year labs uh, for colleges or, or universities. Um, James, I, I feel I can talk <laughs> hours and hours with you uh but i i i have some really last last questions uh before we, before we leave um t tell me tell me something um what what um what did you learn in in your former edtech companies and today uh while you know executing your vision and your team's work uh with labflow that has been useful during covid-19 um is there is there something is there an anecdote uh, that you might have top of mind uh, with some of your users, some of your team members um, that that might be useful for our listeners? Well, I think the first learning uh, with my experience doing educational technologies is that students are very driven in their career goals and in their coursework, and they aren't lazy. Um, but what they don't tolerate a whole lot of is if you waste their time. If you build a learning platform that wastes a lot of their time, that they feel like they're just going through the motions or investing a lot of time in just the mechanics um, of, of using the platform, then uh, they really won't have a good experience. And so it's very important to design uh, user interfaces that um, really are very clear what students need to be doing and that they feel like they're making progress and acquiring knowledge and consuming the content at a rate that they feel is very efficient use of their time. And they, mm -hmm. you know, STEM majors in particular guard their time very jealously. Mm. And so uh, you want to make sure that they walk away feeling like that was a productive use of their time engaging with that platform and they feel like that they're gonna get better grades because of it. Um, so I think that's very important and with COVID, I think it's also one of the things that I've always done is I've, I've tried to imagine a student late at night, it's one in the morning, their homework's due, you know, in just yeah. another hour. And can you give them that real-time feedback and coaching? Um, because no one's around to help them. And that's mm. why a lot of students give up on their major and they just find the, the coursework too rigorous because their roommates are all out having a great time. Um, and they're still stuck mm. at home working the third hour on their physics assignment, right? Mm. And so um, I do kind of try to imagine what it's like to be them and why they might be struggling with the rigor of the course. 
and provide them that real-time feedback and just give them that notion that if they just try a little harder, they'll get maybe a little bit of information from the system that'll help turn on that light bulb and uh, make them uh, able to make progress and understand what they're doing. And that's most important with COVID because they don't have the instructors and TAs mm. around to help them. And there's just more of a distance between the students and faculty. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very important two points that you mentioned here. We don't want students to waste their time because they got their time so much. Uh, we want them to have all the tools that they need in order to progress in their learning. And and I think what you guys are doing is is crucial uh, to that. And, and the second point I love because you guys, you and your team, you've put, you, you've put yourself in the shoes of the faculty member, in the shoes of the students, uh, so that they can really uh, progress in their learning. Um, and, and I think that that is just crucial during COVID and even post COVID as, as we, as we think about education technology, just changing uh, the face of, of education and science education uh, as uh, we knew it. Uh, James, I could speak hours and hours with you. Uh, I am just so happy for the work that you guys are doing, much needed for this world. Um, thank you so, so much for sharing your experience with us. Uh, this will be very useful for the lab for you community and, and uh, for the LabFlow community as well. Thank you so, so much, James. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, Kamal. Awesome. And uh, here ends my conversation with the brilliant James Karras, uh, who is a great edtech entrepreneur, STEM educator, and a product builder that is saving time for TAs, faculty members, and helping students progress in their science education and in their lab works and lab learning. Uh, we're very grateful for the work that James and his team are doing with LabFlow. Thank you so much for listening and see you in the next episode. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Lab4U Talks. We will be placing some links in the notes of this episode, in our YouTube channel and on our website www.lab4u.co. This episode was recorded in our homes working remotely. The creative production and graphic design was carried out by Jose Ferrada, our head of design, and the distribution by our friends from LEAF. If you liked this episode or have any feedback or want us to dig deeper into any topic, leave us a comment or review on Apple's podcast or you can write to us at info at lapforyou.co where we will be reading all the reviews, messages and emails. Thank you for listening and keep experimenting. <laughs>